have a cup of coffee. All right. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of Addicts in Recovery. This is Zach, and to my right is Spencer. Hey, everyone. And this week, we are talking about rehab. Uh, what is rehab? What is it like? What are the the myths and the facts about rehab and and kind of what is what what should you expect? Um, before we begin, if you enjoy our videos, make sure that you hit that like button and then subscribe so that you can get new videos every time we post them. And if you have anything you would like to talk about regarding this video or other videos, please leave a comment in the section below. And if you have not already noticed just by this introduction and you are listening to our podcast, we now have videos. So check us out on YouTube. It's super easy to find us, Addicts in Recovery Podcast. Uh, so let's, uh, let's get in, man. Yeah, so rehab today, huh? They tried to make me go to rehab, and I said no, no, no. Well, I'm so glad for that little brain worm. Um, I so we've been talking about we've been talking about rehab now uh, for basically the uh, majority of the day, and the second that we decided to choose rehab as a topic, that song has been in my head. So, and uh, thanks for sharing. Coincidentally, <laughs> the anniversary for Amy Winehouse's death was only like a couple days ago, wasn't it? Yeah, it's very recent actually. Yeah. So, um, and uh, I don't think that it's a coincidence that she comes out with an extremely famous song about not going to rehab. And then dying from a drug overdose. I'm sure the irony like, for her and her family is fantastic. Yeah, I'm sure that that's uh, it's terrible. <laughs> uh, in a more fucked up note, uh, I uh, <laughs> while I was in rehab, when anytime we got into the druggy the druggy <clears throat> buggy or the Ativan, um, we would we I swear to God that was always on the playlist. It was we're driving, riding down the road. Everybody's jamming to Amy Winehouse. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic so, kind of gallows humor isn't yes, it? yes it really is well i mean you got to learn how to laugh at it right like, uh, yeah you've got to have fun I mean, in recovery otherwise what's the fucking point yeah exactly so <clears throat> rehabs i think right where we should start out is who should go to a rehab who should go to rehab well i think that's you know that's a quintessential part of the equation isn't it? And, and just um for the benefit of everyone that's watching and listening, hopefully, you know, we've both had our experiences of rehab or treatment, and we'll use those terms interchangeably throughout. Like some people, sometimes I call it treatment, sometimes I call it rehab. So, in terms of the people that that could go to rehab or um, that have the opportunity or the desire, um, well, actually, let me break that down because I think, uh, as I was saying, that I don't think that I realized that I needed to go to rehab. I just knew something had to change. Mm. Um, and it was going one of two ways, right? It was kind of binary. <laughs> like, <laughs> one was a zero, which was like jails, institutions, and death, um, with a heavy emphasis on death. <laughs> um, and the other one was sobriety, right? So it's... Um, it, it, for me, I didn't really, I didn't know what rehab was really because I wasn't an alcoholic or a drug addict. Yeah. Um, but I had, um, and it's a term that I've heard used many times, kind of the gift of desperation. Mm. Um, and 
do you remember I was talking about step zero, right? Mm-hmm. So um, for anyone that doesn't know, the, the Fellowship of AA is a 12-step program. And um, it's something, I don't know that it was necessarily my idea or what, just where it came from, but I, I, I've latched onto it in any case, which is step zero, which is, funnily enough, the one before step one. And step zero is just the kind of the stage that you get to where just things need to change and you don't kind of know how um you're going to change those things um you don't always necessarily know why either but it's just stuff's got to be different because if this is it then (laughs) yeah (laughs) no thanks right so (laughs) how about you what was it like for you when you were kind of faced with the prospect of of going to rehab so there there are many Many people that I've met in recovery that do not, did not need to go uh, into the confines of a, of a, I would call it the nut hut or, I mean, there were all sorts, there are, there are all sorts of names for it. Um, But I was one of those people that my life had become so ingrained in the, in the drug use uh, my family life, my my at home, at work, everything that I did, every aspect of my life was somehow involved in my drug use. There was no other way for me to get away from it. And this is looking at it in hindsight, right? Because in the middle of it, you don't think... You, you don't realize like that it's that that it it encompasses every aspect of your life while you're in it and it's kind of like you can't see the forest through the trees right um, but when I, what I've noticed is there would have been no way that I would have been able to pull myself out of the hole that I was in or really anyone for that matter if I was not removed from all of that all of that shit and put into a controlled environment, where I could then have people show me, like, this is what's fucked up. This is where you're screwed up. This is These are some serious fucking issues. And people really didn't even need to show me. All I needed was about a month of no drugs in my system. And, it, you know, huge red flags. And there's like a parade going on outside with a big banner that says, your life is fucked. And, <laughs> like, I'm not kidding, man. And there was like a marching band. And, like, anytime I closed my eyes, there it was just screaming in my face. It didn't take all it needed. All I needed was for the drugs to be removed. And, and, and then there it was. But because it was so, it was just so ingrained. It was just so everywhere. There was no... For me, there was no there was no other way around it. I I needed to be institutionalized. I needed to be put in a safe environment where I could basically where I could get at least the beginning of of this um, this new path that I'm on. Uh, and how long were you in treatment? Like four months, five months? Yeah, four and a half months. Four and a half months. <laughs> I told them ninety days. I got in there, and the therapists were like. All right. Well, we we're gonna reevaluate. We're gonna reevaluate this after ninety days. And I'm like, we're not gonna fucking reevaluate anything. I'm leaving after ninety days. Kiss my ass. And here, you know, I'm I'm not even a week off of drugs. <laughs> and I show up to the fucking rehab drunk, 
And <laughs> that's very cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was 9 a.m. and I had to sit in an airport. And what do you do in an airport? Well, I mean, you just sit at the bar. It doesn't like, I mean, that's just the thing. It's one of the places that it's actually sort of internationally acceptable to drink at any time of the day. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, there's not really a time zone in an airport, right? Because you never really know where you're operating from. Uh, so <laughs> I heard actually that because I was in, I was in Thailand for treatment. I was in treatment for three months and, um, I thought I was going for 30 days when I went. Right. So, um, but apparently in Bangkok airport, they have meetings, AA meetings in actually in the airport. And I think that's a fantastic really? idea. Yeah. Like brilliant. how smart is that? Yeah. yeah. Very clever. Absolutely brilliant. Um, but I got, I got to the 90 days and they were like, all right, well you demanded that you're the one that fucking is leaving in 90 days. Where are you going? Oh my god, man! I had a fucking back to my meltdown. room. Back to my room. Leave me alone. Like, yes. oh, so true, isn't it? They were like, "Here's the ball. Ball's in your court, man. What are you gonna do? I'm gonna fucking have a total meltdown." And then my therapist looked at me, and I'm I'm gonna quote what she said verbatim. She said, "You are." way too unstable to be released back into society. Yep. I am keeping you here. And I was like, uh, told. Okay. <laughs> I guess. That doesn't re- <laughs> you know, there's not a lot of room for negotiation <laughs> there. Is it's like, mm. she was right too. It's fucking nuts. Um, so as far as the, the way that I see, uh, who should go, I think it's really, for one, it's, it's very personalized who should go. Like, uh, it depends on your life, your situation. And really the, kind of, I guess, the drive that you have? I think that, yeah, you pick up on a couple of points. I mean, I think the first one that I'd raise is that I was the same as you. Like, I needed to be completely removed from the situation and put somewhere else without any of the people, influences, places, etc., around me mm. that <clears throat> had had got me to where I was. And, um, you know, I think that that sparks in me this incredible admiration for anyone that that goes through... Uh, who doesn't have the opportunity to go to treatment and just finds the 12 steps and goes through the meetings and and, and gets sober that way because I don't think I could have done that. No, I genuinely, I, I, I don't think I could. Um, so I have huge respect and admiration for anyone. And that's lots of people, right? Yeah, that's a lot of people that of do people. that. Um, so I think there's, there's that. But I, I think that... When um, and I was telling you earlier, right? When when I got to got to my treatment center, my my counselor described me as a motivated mess, right? So it was like, <laughs> yeah, he he <laughs> he's um, he was he was saying to me that you know um, I I was willing, but I was an idiot. Like I didn't know what to do, and I was just like I really wanted it. Which is a good place to start. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot I, better than my fucking start. And and I, <laughs> and I do think that that's kind of. Like, if you're being forced to go, I think that's a much more difficult... I'm not saying that it's impossible, but I, th- I think that's a much more difficult kind of mindset to start from. Like, I don't really need this. I don't really want this. This has not been my decision. Yeah. I think that's kind of... Because I think you've got so many more steps still to to travel to get to even step zero, as I was talking about, right? So um, I think there has to be kind of... It's it's about you. It's it really mm. comes down to you, and um, I don't think I can put it any more plainly than that. I think it's like if if you think that you might need to go, then you probably should. Probably if you have the, the yeah, <laughs> you, sh- you probably. And when I say probably, I mean a hundred percent, definitely fucking go. Yeah, like um, this yeah. is this is the thing that that 
and I, and songs like the one that Amy Winehouse was singing uh, really put rehabs into this negative light. Uh, like it's it's bad that you see. Here's here's what I don't understand. And this is this isn't just me. This is human. This is addict philosophy or addict mentality, I guess, just to a T. I can live my entire life being a total fucking asshole. Okay. I can ruin all the lives around me, ruin my own life. I can end up in jails. I can end up in overdosing and in hospitals. I can end up causing all of these problems. Okay. But when I come up to someone and say, Hey, I need help. All of a sudden I'm like, Oh my God, I, 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 I can't be seen as this person of weakness. <laughs> and it doesn't make any fucking sense because it's like, because, because how is, why is it that I, that all of a sudden I'm so concerned that people are finding out that I am asking for help? Like, like you say, it's addict philosophy 101, yeah, it isn't it? It just doesn't yeah. make, it doesn't make any fucking sense. But there's like this, there's this stigma. Um, I, I, I guess it's really just letting go of your ego, right? There's, there's this stigma that like when you're going to rehab, like it's a low point and you should, um, and society looks down upon it. And in, Fucking in reality, it's not. Like, more than anything, if, if an addict can come to the conclusion that they need help and they go out and they actually, like, put in the effort to get that help, that is so beyond the opposite of a fucking low point. I mean, I, I have to tell you, Zach, that, you know, that there's a lot of reframing and that sort of stuff that goes on in, in, as part of the, the work that you do in terms of mental health and stuff while you're there. But the idea of having this kind of breakdown um was often reframed to me as a breakthrough and i have to tell you that um i think that my time in rehab is probably certainly in the top three um best experiences and most significant turning point in my life um i'm not saying it's fun let me make that very very well, yeah, important you're distinction. telling me that it's not a vacation yeah, I think we'll get on to that one because, <laughs> because some people think it's a vacation. Yeah, I know, right? And and the, it's kind of that you go there and like you have the spa over here, and like then there's kind of like whatever you know, yep. like mm, not 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 so much, guys. If that's um, and as you were saying to me before, right? It's if if you if you are in rehab and you are having fun, you're doing it wrong because. Mm. This is a kind of it possibly one time chance to really seriously work on yourself. And that means being uncomfortable. I mean, that means being seriously uncomfortable at some point. Well, part of recovery, a major part of recovery is learning to live with discomfort. For sure. I mean, that's 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 why I would fucking that's why I would drink and use all the time. Um, so what is it that a person can expect from going to treatment? Well, I think the first and foremost thing is that you'll be cured afterwards. <laughs> you, are, you, are, you will no longer be an alcoholic or a drug addict. It's just a complete, in fact, they just give you this tablet and you just take it once and you're, you're good. What happens if you take two of them? <laughs> you're such an addict. <laughs> <laughs> Double drop, right? Double drop, yeah. I mean, God, you triple drop, and it's like that fucking that movie, Limitless. Yeah, 
yeah, that's that's it basically. Unlocks they give you the hundred percent. Yeah, unlocks hundred percent of your brain, and, and bam, you're done. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so so what do you expect? Um, well, I think you know, there's there's a bunch of different aspects that we could talk about. I mean, I think that um, for me, yeah, obviously it's it's not a vacation, right? It's it's really not a vacation, but um, and I think that this is probably different between different rehabs, but um, certainly the ones that I've been to or visited or, or stayed at, the um, the level of discipline is something that sort of surprised me. Um, so <clears throat> there was some very fundamental rules that you're obviously, obviously there's no drinking or using, you know, that without saying, <laughs> I hope that goes without saying. Um, but for things like mobile phone usage, like, um, I know you, you, when you were at yours, you weren't allowed even to have your mobile. Uh-huh. We were allowed to have ours, but they had to stay in our rooms or they would be confiscated. Um, and you know, the, there's times when you go to bed and like when you get up and, you know, you you are quite uh, regimented in terms of your behaviour, um, and that sets a structure, I think, for the days. And I really needed that. And in fact, I kind of thrived in that condition. Mm. Um, we had mandatory exercise. I know not all, pl- all places will not. You know, most of them do. Yeah, I think a lot of them do because you know it's good to you know the endorphins and yeah, yeah a lot, lot all good stuff, right? Um, but um groups groups there will be groups almost certainly um lots of groups yeah and i mean i i enjoyed it um enjoyed that might be it was a really positive experience for me (laughs) (laughs) let's put it that way let's just say he is one sadistic motherfucker. Okay. <laughs> as true as that may be. The um what do they call that? A masochist, person who likes pain? Yeah. 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 If if they like to inflict it on themselves, it's masochist. Someone else is a sadist. Okay. There you go. Learn something. Um every fucking day with you, man. Yeah, I know, right. Um <laughs> the um so yeah, the groups and we did a wide range of different stuff. I mean, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy obviously features quite highly, but we did all sorts of different other things. There's something called smart recovery. We did refuge recovery. We did uh, trauma release exercises. We did like all sorts of stuff. Mm. Um, which, um, which, by the way, we have an episode on from months and months ago that's all about 12 or just recovery groups in general. That if you're wondering what any of those are, Refuge, uh, 12 Steps, Smart, we talk about all of them. So, By the way, do the 12-step one. That's that's a good one. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, and then, then we also had meditation and because I was in Thailand, so there's a lot of mindfulness and that sort of stuff, which I, which I really dig. But I think, yeah, there, there was there's certain aspects that um, kind of take you by surprise as well. Uh, I don't know how this was for you. I'd be really interested to get your view on this because one of the things that I hadn't really accounted for was the fact that I was going to be with loads of other addicts. (laughs) 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 And I know that sounds sort of stupid, naive, ridiculous, but like they're all crazy people, (laughs) you know, like, and 
you know, I, I, <laughs> but you've got everything from from someone that's, you know, cannabis, alcohol, all the way through to the like, you know, injecting opiates into your eyes or whatever. Like, you know, it's like there, there's some crazy people doing some crazy shit. Um, and it kind of blew me away. The, 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 the kind of, you know, and I think especially cause I, I never got, I never had done heroin and, and like the heroin addicts do seem a little bit that there's a difference. Um, absolutely. And I don't mean like they have a different relationship with their drug. I feel like mm-hmm. to, to a lot of other people, I suppose meth is kind of maybe a bit, I don't know. I mean, you're the meth specialist. Here, aren't you? <laughs> Sorry, Zach, that's terrible, <laughs> terrible way of <laughs> phrasing it. But yeah, I don't know. How did you experience the sort of the wide range of, uh, different addictions and, and, and people? So as far as before, before I, I got into, uh, into the, the, the actual center itself, I I definitely had this stigma, the stigma that we were talking about, where it's like this is a whole new low. Um, I've you know <laughs> lost control of my life, and then I and then I thought, okay, like I ever fucking had control of my life. <laughs> That's just like the biggest fucking illusion I think I've ever pulled on myself. Is that I had control of my life, uh, and then I, I I thought, how the fuck. Am I supposed to move to this place, okay, for three months and live with a bunch of drug addicts? Yeah. Who thought that would be a good idea? Yeah. <laughs> who the fuck thought that was a good idea? Not only that, but, like, do you know who I am? Like, I, I am not about to go share the room with some fucking junkie, okay? I'm not going to fucking do that. You're fucking crazy. You can't trust those motherfuckers. <laughs> and... Speaking from experience, um, yeah, because <laughs> you couldn't fucking trust me as far as you could throw me. Uh, something I also had a come to a come to realization with in treatment was that I was a habitual liar. Uh, phenomenal, it's phenomenal, really. Isn't it wonderful? Some of those it things really, that oh you that you uncover, like um, I, I discovered that. I wasn't nearly as clever as I thought I was. <laughs> but I was an arrogant prick. I, I, I came to a, a solid conclusion that I was an asshole. Yeah, for sure. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I didn't even necessarily come to it myself. It was pointed out to me by, by my counselor. And um, <laughs> um, I remember, Zach, I said to him, look, you know, I think I'm a pretty kind of smart guy. And he was like, yeah, you're, you're in Thailand, like 8,000 miles from home. You've pushed away your family, your friends, your marriage has collapsed, you've lost your job, you're not seeing your son, you've got no money, you're in huge debt. But tell me, how smart are you again? Like, you just like, <laughs> ow, <laughs> that stabbing pain in my heart. It burns. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And, uh, the, you know, you, you're destroying all your, uh, your, everybody's lives, you're a complete fucking tornado of shit. And, um, yeah, you're, you're ruining all your opportunities in life, you know, so well yeah, done. You're you know, brilliant. You're, you're in yeah, rehab, you mate. You are the this smartest is... <laughs> motherfucker around. Yep. Like, Spencer, you're in rehab in Thailand. Like, just fucking level right. for a minute with me, yeah? <laughs> I, was, uh, I was one of those people that, and, and I've, worked, I've worked in tr- multiple treatment centers now, and, and I run into them all the time, uh, is if this place 
just fucking operated the way that I think it should be operating, man, it would save it would save millions of lives, right? It would convert the whole fucking planet, and their addiction would be eradicated from humankind forever. It's so, and true, then we'd it? have lunch. Like, <laughs> stole headline from you. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, and then, and then, like, I, and I get these people that do this, and because I've done it, and and then I think like, and someone brought this up to me uh, when I was in treatment. We were complaining about the quality of the food. Okay, <laughs> right. Okay, the quality of the food. Because uh, Cisco is the big is the big chain, and, and I mean we have, okay. Here's here was our complaint. We were like, we're tired of eating. I think it was pasta or something like that. We're tired of eating pasta and all these carbs, and we're bitching about it. And and the the guy the guy that makes the meal plans, he gets the whole group together, like twenty people, and he goes, you. You just came from a fucking trailer park and you couldn't keep a needle out of your arm. You, you can't keep a bottle out of your mouth and you are dying from liver failure. And you, you have, you know, whatever other drug problem. And then he points at all of us and he goes, and now you care about what you eat? <laughs> it was like... Mic drop. Yeah, because <laughs> it's so fucking true. But um, I, I had this expectation that, like, I was going to be uh, doing all of these things and, like, I was going to have this type, this level of, of care, I guess, and the groups were going to be a specific way and the people that I associated with and I was going to get so much time with a therapist and nothing that I was expecting to, to happen actually happened the way that I expected oh, it dude. to. Oh, dude, and I think one of the biggest things for me was that... Uh, I, I didn't want it to be uncomfortable, right? Mm. I wanted it to be really kind of safe and yeah. Uh, if that that's not what it's for, no, you're <laughs> you're supposed to be uncomfortable. It's supposed to jar you and to make you look at what is wrong, and and that was something that I was not expecting. Um, but I also don't want that to deter people either. Like it's it's the most eye op if if we let it. Um, cause there are several people I, out of, on average, I think there was about 15 to 20 people in the treatment center that I was in at a time. And honestly, I can think of in the first year, three died. And then in the, uh, since then I can think of maybe two other people that have actually remained, uh, that in have remained in yeah. sobriety. Yeah. yeah. Everybody else just goes back out again. And I think statistically that's, that's pretty much the norm, right? That's yeah, that like average, right on point. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's because these people come in and here, this is the expectation. And I think you said it earlier. I, I went in and I thought that I was going to be getting cured that I, w I, I expected that I was going to go in there. I was going to spend the 90 days and then I was going to uh, be able to leave. And <laughs> when I initially went in, I thought I was going to be able to drink. Like I thought that was, I thought drinking was sober. Uh, cause I, <laughs> I know it's like <laughs> fucked up, but it's true. I was a meth addict. I thought I, I will leave there and I will know how to drink, uh, it's like ironic, a normal person. When I left, I thought, well, I'll be able to do meth. Yeah, but <laughs> exactly. But anything else? <laughs> no. And, exactly. And um, and that just that just wasn't that just wasn't the the, the case uh, at all. Like I I. I came in, I went in and 
instead of finding the way that I wanted things to be, I, I had to conform to what they told me to, to do, right? And I had to be not only willing to do it, but I had to put that action into work. When they say go to a group, you know what I did? I got up and I went to that fucking group. Like, there, there are so many times in rehab when people go, oh, I'm too tired. Or, oh, I'm like, I don't feel good. Or, oh, all you do is sit. You sit. Except for, you know, the half hour to an hour a day where it's like, okay, I'll, well, they'll make me work out, right? But the rest of it is you sit. Like, yes, Sometimes you have is- to stand up and walk at short distance yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, like, but, but come but on, For the man, most like, part, like, yeah. Oh, I don't feel good. Well, you're sitting in a fucking chair. You're in rehab, dude. And you're in rehab. You're not supposed to fucking feel good. Nobody else feels good. Like, why? But they're all there, right? Because you got to put in fucking effort. I mean, yeah, I, I completely agree. Like I said, I was the motivated mess. I was there for 90 days. We had a group every single day. How many groups did I go to? I went to 90. I mm. went to every... I did not miss a single one. I'm not going to miss one. Yeah. Like, I, what the fuck else have I got to do? Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is the reason I'm here. Like, why am really I not going to go? Yeah. That's fucking well, stupid. Well, man. what's ridiculous, though, is, I, I don't even say it's ridiculous. It's uh, We'll play games with ourselves. I yeah. mean, there we, we, yeah, we will yeah. easily play games with ourselves. And so one of the one of the real things that we need to keep in mind is why we are there. It's not to sort bills out. It's not to sort our relationships out. It's not to sort anything else out except for ourselves. Like, this is basically, that is basically what it is. I went to treatment to fucking fix myself. And then by the end of it is when I started, like, getting into, um, started kind of re reintroducing myself into life. Um, yeah. And I think um, the, there's a famous cho- quote, quote by Winston Churchill, which um, kind of describes the end of, of rehab, like, leaving and and start which is like it's it's not the end it's not even the beginning of the end but it might be the end of the beginning and and i i think that that's really profound it's kind of like look this was just the first bit right yeah this was just the intro yeah, <laughs> yeah. now well, you've got your life <laughs> yeah so it's kind of like and you know we have a daily reprieve so better Absolutely. get to work the and then we we get into this misconception and I had the misconception uh, I'm sure that I think you said you had the misconception of going going to rehab and then it just being done and that's it yeah I went to rehab my life is good I can move on and I can you know live a successful fucking life right I'm not saying that that isn't possible I'm sure it's possible and I'm sure that there are people out there that have pulled it off. There's just none in this room. The, the, for one, there's none in this room. And for two, I don't know if I've ever met any of them. Yeah, yeah, no, like, most of the people that, that, that go into a rehab and then they leave the rehab and they don't do anything afterwards, they end up right back where they started. Mm. Um, I know, I personally know dozens and dozens of people that I could, on first name basis, that have done exactly that. I once I once met a pilot, and this man, I'm not kidding, he had everything, okay? He was making six figures a year as a commercial airline pilot from one of the biggest fucking airlines in, in the world, okay? And he went back into the same treatment center four times in two months. Wow. 
four times. So what he would do is he would come through. Oh, sorry, I I I, I said so four times within a two month gap. So yep. so he would go through it for thirty days, and then within two months he was back again, and then within two months he was back again, and then I think the third and fourth time it was like within a week he was back again, back again, and what he would did what he did was he went through treatment. Didn't really. I mean, it seemed like he had it. It seemed he had this really good facade, and then he um, and then he wouldn't do anything. He would just leave, and and within that week, without without going to a meeting, without reaching out to any of his uh, contacts, without doing anything like that, it, he he was back again. I mean, I mean, I think that's one of the most valuable parts that we did um, in in Thailand. Um, the, my rehab was called Hope. Wonderful place, love the people. Hank, if you ever see this, hi and thank you. The um, hi Hank. The <laughs> uh, we did a plan. We had like sessions on planning, and there was actually a session called landing. So what it's going to be like when you get back to your house, and you've got your bong in the front room still, and there are bottles of liquor in the fridge or whatever, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah man. Like you know how many needles I had to fucking. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, what is your plan to deal with this? Because let's think about it now. Um, and we would do a plan in kind of the last couple of weeks that, um, that we were staying in the treatment center to say, right, how am I going to structure my days? Which meetings am I going to go to? Where are they? How am I going to get there? Mm. Getting in touch with people. Um, and my my friend, one of the guys from a fellowship friend who I'm really hoping is going to be on the on the podcast with us soon. Um, two weeks before I left treatment, I hadn't spoken to him in months and it had been we'd met a couple of times. He texted me just kind of out the blue. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was just like a recovery meme or something. Um, and I didn't really know anyone in the recovery community back at back home. And I leapt on this, right? I was like, that's some crazy higher power shit right there, right? Like, yeah, I, I'm <laughs> like, I jumped on it. I was like, I'm really scared. I'm in treatment and I'm going to be coming home in two weeks. And please, can you meet me and take me to a meeting? And he was like, yeah, <laughs> I was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> so um, he, uh, he, he picked me up and took me to the meeting, which is a meditation meeting. And as you guys, well, you know, and hopefully the guys will know that's kind of my thing. Um, and it was just great because mm. I, I was one of the, f I shared quite early on in the meeting and I just sort of said, look, I'm just out. I'm scared. I'm nervous. I have not done many meetings in the past. Uh, please be nice to me. <laughs> 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 and just the outpouring of love and, and care and welcoming kind of feeling was, was fantastic. One of the things that I uh, forgot to mention was really how how much community was actually built when I was in when I was in treatment. When you when yeah. you're in treatment, when we when you get to a, a, a rehab, and I guess when just a person gets to a rehab, and, and they sit in the same building as you know dozens of other people, they that are all struggling from the same thing. It's almost like getting to a lifeboat while you're swimming away from the sinking Titanic. Like 
everyone, really good analogy. everyone is just grateful <laughs> that they are alive and they're helping everyone that they can to, to get into the lifeboat. And, and they're, you know, when, when you get in there, people are throwing like coats over you to keep you warm. And so you're not dying from the cold. And they, they it's, it's just this, this level of, of community and humanity that I have never, I had never experienced before. I thought humanity was specifically for Disney movies. I thought that was just, I thought that's what it was, right? Like, good people doing good things just didn't really actually fucking happen. Uh, it was only in some type of Walt Disney flick that I would watch when I was a kid, you know, fucking Simba coming back and avenging Mufasa. I didn't think, I didn't think that humanity was real. And, and it wasn't until I, granted, I mean, when you have as many drugs in your system as I did, humanity, like human doesn't exist. So there's that. Uh, but it, you, it, it, you just create this, this community and, and, and everyone in there, uh, really starts fighting for each other and you create these bonds you've never created with people. And then you leave and then you're like, where the fuck, what, what do I do? I, when I, when I left, I remember just being terrified because the way that I had built my, cause I didn't know who I was when I was in treatment. Like I had to relearn who I was and, and I, everything that I had learned about who I was, was based around these people that I was in treatment with. And then I just left them. I was like, what the fuck, what do I do? Right. And, um, and so it, it turns out, um, that, that when I, when I got out and followed the plan, see, there's one thing about making a plan. There's another thing to following the plan when you leave rehab, like we can make plans all day, right? Like plans are great. We can plan out our future, but to actually take the steps towards it is a completely different thing. And, and that was the first thing that I did was it was, I got out on my little sister's birthday and I got home. Okay. And it was a surprise to my little sister. Like, yay, your drug addict brother's home from rehab. <laughs> it's, just, it's so, so white trash. And uh, I I get there and my whole family's there, okay? And I'm less than, I don't know, maybe 12 hours out of this treatment center. And, and my whole family's there and they have this big party and like we have dinner and all these things are great. And here I am like, I mean, like a deer in the fucking headlights. I didn't know how to behave around them. I didn't know how to behave, period, because I didn't even know who the fuck I was. I didn't know what I enjoyed, what I didn't enjoy. I didn't know who I liked or whatever. And and the one thing that I remember them telling me in treatment is the day you get out, go to a fucking meeting, okay? And so that's what I did. I left this family party. I left my sister's birthday. The party that they threw for me for, to come home I left it and I went to the meeting, the, the the meeting in town. And I'm not kidding, that whole feeling of kind of connection, I mean, it wasn't as like powerful as I had it when I was in treatment. But when I got into that meeting, it was still there. Like that that feeling was there, that community, that 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 safety net that I had. And and so for for a really long time, the only reason that I even went to meetings in the beginning was just because it was a familiar environment. <clears throat> and I wouldn't fucking get high. I, I relate to that completely because I think um, I didn't go to a meeting when I first got back. But by the time I got home, it was like 1030 at night and um, I traveled back from Thailand. So I was jet lagged to hell. Right. Excuses. Yeah, I know. Right. 
<laughs> Doesn't matter that there wasn't a meeting. <laughs> Find one. Excuses. Um, <laughs> but then that, that was Friday night. And then on Saturday, I went to three. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Um, we'll let you have that one. Yeah, it was. Um, it, yeah, it was. I had a sense of belonging. And when I was talking to people in in the treatment center and rehab, um, I had these kind of moments that I think, I'm sure that you probably went through this as well, but I was like, oh, fuck, it's like that for you too. And like, there was this real kind of empathy and, and relatability between us that I'd never experienced. Like people that genuinely had the same issues, concerns, problems, um, and we were there together. And I, I love that analogy of the, the life raft. That's 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 really smart. In fact, I'm stealing it. Well, I stole it from somebody else. So. Well, well yeah, it's mean, basically really all, everything all, all I, the good ideas are yeah, stolen. All, well, all the good shit that I ever have to say has been told to me by somebody else. So <laughs> I have zero credit. I, I take zero credit for anything that I say. Um, but the one of the things that I also noticed that I, that I really need to touch on uh, is the length of time in treatment. Being that I've worked in treatment centers and I've gone through treatment myself and I, I, I've seen the patterns in addiction and in alcoholism and whatever it, vice it is that you want to call it, um, people always think, all right, I can go for 30 days, right? 30 days. 30 days, looking at 30 days in front of you um, it, it, it seems like it's a really long time. I mean, that's a whole fucking month of my life, right? A whole month of my life, okay? How am I supposed to spend an entire month of my life away from the world, okay? And, and I am going to set my life aside and, and, and actually put, like, and actually go out of society for an entire month, okay? That's, that's a long time. Coming from the person who is now looking back on that month, that's not very long. Like when you actually break it down 12 months in a year and you average out 80 years in a lifetime, how much of your life is it really? I mean, it's it's a it's a speck, isn't it? It, it really is. Okay, and now I'm gonna throw another curveball at you, and then you can you can be afraid of this or not. I don't really I don't really care, but guess what? 30 days. 99.9% of the time is not enough. I'd, I'd love to see the stats. I mean, I know you've glibly made I, up. I literally <laughs> just said that. I shot it off my, the top of my mouth, the, but find someone to prove me wrong. But but I'm <laughs> I, I'm very much inclined to agree with you. I, I think that um, I don't know what the stats are, but I, from my kind of slightly anecdotal experience, I mean, people are coming and going while you're in rehab the whole time. And I was there three months, which is the longest you can really stay at the one that I went to. Um, and people coming for one month or two months. So I think I crossed paths with over 100 people. Um, and I would say of the ones that I know about, the ones that have stayed on the path um, are very few and far between. Um probably less than five mm. um and i think um all of the ones that i'm thinking of all stayed for the full three months 30. so i i'm not saying that it's like you stay for three months and you're good but i said uh, from my experience 
if you stay for 90 days, your chances are better than if you're 60 and those are better than you're at 30. So I, I think that for me, 90 days really should be like the start. <laughs> I think I, I, I agree. So when I was in treatment, they would tell us, and this is what they would tell us. I, I haven't actually seen any real, uh, I don't know, I guess statistical data, or, data yeah. on this, but they would say there are two deciding factors <laughs> in your, in long-term recovery, length of stay or length of, or amount of time in a treatment or in a recovery setting and family involvement. If you have high family involvement and if they go out of the way, which is, which is something like my family, I don't, I have a really hard time taking credit for my recovery because a lot of people did a lot of things to oh, help me get right. clean. And if my family wasn't involved in it, I, I would not be here. I could almost guarantee I would not be here. And if I didn't stay the amount of time that I did, I remember like, I remember coming out of the first month of, of treatment, like just, just kind of coming to the realization that my head wasn't just shoved up my ass. My head was up through my ass, through my stomach and up almost through into my, like into my your ass. head. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it was shoved so far fucking up there that, that there was nothing, nothing in this world would, would, would dislodge it in other than more time. And <laughs> a whole lot of therapy and the, the, because you just can't, a person cannot live for years and years and years. Okay. In one terrible and in, in all their habits and in all this shit and then expect to go to, for 30 days and expect to go for 30 days and then just be cured. Like that doesn't happen. It takes a, it takes time. It takes repetitive fucking action that, needs to be ingrained to build a solid foundation to then grow forward from there. But if I didn't have that, if I didn't have that repetitive action, especially even after the first 30 days, I mean, I was literally like, it was still fucking dark. I mean, I could, I, I, I might not have been staring at like my chest, but I was still probably staring like at my, my colon, you know, I was still, it wasn't dislodged yet. Okay. And I know I'm like using this, <laughs> but it's true. Um, it's grim. I, That's it's it's grim, but it's fucking real. Uh, it 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 requires time. And yes, a month does seem like a long time. And yes, three months seems like it's fucking forever. Okay, but it is amazing how quickly that time passes, uh, especially because of all of the, the things that, are, that, that uh, you're learning, of all of the experiences that we're having, the relationships we're building, the, all of the, just the whole, the whole experience in general, it actually passes much quicker than you think. And it's worth every miserable fucking second of it. Every, oh, every completely. miserable fucking second of it. I, I know that, um, that there'll be, people watching and listening that have that have not been to treatment and um that i i, I found it so enriching in terms of my life I, I and i just i knew that things had to change and, and and i remember getting there and talking to one of the counselors who um i had a, a really great relationship with um and he said to me there's only one thing that's got to change in recovery everything and i was like Oh, oh, what? <laughs> I remember being terrified. And at the time, like, 
that's that is terrifying, but it's actually just an amazing opportunity. It's an incredible op- op- opportunity. Easy for me to say. Oh, blah, 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 blah. Um, and you know, not something that you're presented with on a daily basis. No. Um, so grasp it. Take the opportunity. I mean, I, I, I would say it's yeah. I mean, what what would you say are some of the the key indicators for people that are not going to get the most out of treatment? What would you say is the kind of so you've got to you've got to really be careful because there's a lot of people <coughs> there's a lot of people that don't take treatment seriously in the beginning and then they leave and then they realize that they need to take it seriously. Uh, usually after a, like a significant relapse, but what I have found. Uh, specifically is the people, the people that, that actually put in the effort, the people that, that went to the groups and didn't just sleep through them, right? The people that actually applied the, the principles in their lives and, and they, they did the things that were uncomfortable and they were miserable. The people that were really the people that were the most miserable in the treatment were the ones that did better. I was a miserable fucker. Yeah. Oh man, I was Oh God, it, I was so fucking miserable that the, the main reason why I never wanted to go back was so that I never had to be that fucking miserable again. Well, they, 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 did, like, <laughs> they did sort of say uh, like a couple of points, like other, other people there was said to me, Spence, you know, like, why do you take this so seriously? <laughs> I said, I don't want to fucking come back. Like th- this, this is my one shot. This is it for me. Yeah. This is not gonna, you know, the, like, yeah, this it, is my life, and it man. is for a lot of people. But for some reason, like, uh, for uh, and I don't know what it is. I mean, everybody's different, and and it depends on if you're ready, right? Should I go or should I not go? Also comes down to who is pushing this, who is deciding this. Like, I know so many people that go to rehab for their wives, for their kids, for their family, for fucking their job, for whatever. And yes, those are extenuating circumstances that push just about anybody into a treatment center, <clears throat> but. Are you actually going because you want to get better or are you going because you're being forced to go? And, and e- even if you are being forced to go, I was forced to go. I, as, I, as a person, I also thought, you know, drinking was sober. Um, but I was also fortunate enough to be, to, to be able to be locked away from society long enough to see how fucked up I was. Um, if I was not forced to go at that period of time, I probably wouldn't have. Like, honest to God, if I was not, if the extenuant, I, nobody goes to rehab or nobody is just sitting there living a great life and then goes, you know Tomorrow? what? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to check myself into a fucking rehab. Like, nobody does that. Like, there's always extenuating circumstances, but um, depending, I, I think you also need, we also need to ask ourselves, like, why? Why am I going? Who am I going for? I, th- I think that's that's absolutely critical because if... If it's not coming from you, then it, it, you are you, you've got more steps to take, uh, as I think yeah. I alluded to earlier. And 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 one of the things that um, I kind of learned there was that my recovery was the most important thing in my life, and it had to be. Mm. And people are like, "What more than your kids, or more than your family, or more than?" You know what? Fuck yeah! I'm like, yeah. I mean, I was taught that. I didn't realize that myself. Like, I learned that while I was there. Recovery has to be number one, and it always has to be number one, and it always will be number one. And and they like, well, well, how can you care more about your recovery than about your own son? 
It's like, well, if I don't have my recovery, I don't have anything. Mm. I don't have anything. Mm. Like, it's just gone. And not to mention all the trust that I've rebuilt, you know, the relationships with my family and all the, all the good stuff, that's gone. See, this is the other thing that I also like about, uh, that I like about treatment. First of all, I, I love the line. So the, what they would tell us is the first thing you put in, your, in front of your recovery is the second thing you're going to lose. And I, I love that line because I, I used to use that line all the time. First thing. And then there was the other line. And this is when they passed the buck to me when they were at 90 days. And they were like, all right, where are you going? There was a line that they would – and it was almost like they knew this was coming. Like they, <laughs> they they knew. They were just waiting for me to hit 90 days so they could watch me collapse. It's maybe as if someone had done it before. Yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> But but throughout throughout treatment, they'd always say um, – they'd always say, once you think you've got it, you've lost it. Once you think you have perfected recovery and you never have to worry about it again, you've lost it. And then, and, and then they give me this other line, your best thinking got you here. Holy fuck. I fought that line tooth and nail. I thought that was the biggest load of shit. My best thinking did not get me here. My worst thinking got me here. And then they pulled this. Humans are known, specifically known, to act on their best assumptions and their best judgments. That's just humanity. That's just what we do, right? So if I thought, you know, better and was acting better than I, as a human, would have acted upon that. So yes, my best thinking did land me here. And and so they give it to me. And of course, you know, then I, the whole, the whole, I cry and fucking melt down and turn into a fucking blubbering fool. But it was really bad. But um, I, I wouldn't have learned these things. Just those three lines, for instance. I wouldn't have learned those if I wasn't in treatment. Because people come out of treatment, if, if they put in the effort, they come out of treatment like recovery fucking juggernauts. Like Most people who can't afford treatment or who don't have the opportunity to go, they don't get that experience. They don't get the lessons that you learn in a treatment center from the people that are, have been in it and are in it. Like they don't, they don't get that shit. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a, it is a life changing and really re- recovery, just exploding experience. Well, you live recovery 24 hours a day for three months, four months, whatever it might be. Yeah. Like it's, it's an indoctrination process almost, isn't it? And you know, we, we, I really like what you say because I was fortunate enough to have that kind of education on addiction really. Uh, and you know, in, in previous podcasts, we've talked about Brené Brown or people like Gabo Mate or um, uh, plenty of other different um, sort of experts in addiction. Um, Johan Hari was was another one that I, I particularly enjoy. And and you become acquainted with their work and you, you understand kind of the drivers behind addiction. And you, you, you kind of really, um, as one of my friends would say, you take the back off the telly and you get kind of involved. Like you understand a little bit about why you are like you are and that other people have mm. those problems and kind of what the tools are to be able to go about putting your life back together, which, by the way, is in pieces on the floor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like yeah. it's, but it, it's kind of that, but but like you say, Zach, the, the, I, I really like what you say, you come out like 
um, like with a shining sword, you know, by the power of Grayskull eyes, yeah. I have no recovery. And, <laughs> and, you, and, you, and I remember walking into the, into my first meeting and like I was scared and nervous, but I was also like, well, I do know quite a lot of stuff. And, the, you know, then there's someone there who's who's like, yeah, well, I've I've been I've been sober for a while now. And you sort of like when the people say things like that and i sort of said to him how long and he was like 35 years yeah and i was like <laughs> longer than i've been alive i, I was like oh, i'm 92 days yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and do you know what he said to me well done well done and i was i, I kind of humbled by that because mm. that that's the one of the things that i always kind of forget is that any anyone that's coming through those doors like you know, I've been in that position and so is everyone here. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's yeah. kind of why it's, I think that's one of the, you know, that warmth about the AA meetings is that like, if if you're turning up for the first time or you're going into rehab and like the counselors see like, everyone's been in that position. Everyone there has been in that position. And, and one of the great things, you know, just to talk about counselors and relationships a little bit, um, you know, uh, I had a fantastic relationship with my counselor. He crushed me. <laughs> <laughs> I hated my like, counselor. Um, Hater. Um, the well, that's because really? she was good. Yeah, right. Like, it, I mean, yeah, I mean, I respect the hell out of her. She, she really saved my life. But I, oh my god, she just fucking. But that's the thing. One of the one of the things that I remember my counselor sort of saying to me is like, "I'm not your friend." I'm not your I'm not mm. your friend. Um and that's kind of stung me because like I'm a people pleaser anyway, right? So it's like um oh just keep going. Really? Is this your phone? It must be. That was from Phoenix, Arizona. So yeah, the um, the counselor um, really kind of tore me to bits, and like like ate me up, shat me out. <laughs> <laughs> I was crushed, and then he built me up again, and then he crushed me again, uh, <laughs> and then he kind of he, he built me up again. But he was just phenomenal and the right person at the right time for me. And it couldn't have been anyone else because it was him. Mm. Um, and it couldn't have been any other time because it was then. And yeah. and I know that, that that may sound kind of really stupidly obvious, but I, I kind of really believe in that actually. Um, and um, in terms of relationships, there's, there's obviously, um, you know, you're in a rehab, men and women are there together and shared experiences and stuff like, um, what do you call special friendships um, <laughs> that can can occur and stuff like it's yeah uh, I mean it's kind of forbidden. I actually got away with one of those. I was one of the very few that actually got really? away with like an under table rehab romance. Wow, I know. Um, I mean, I mean, too. yeah. The one of the things you know <laughs> I'd say is that most rehabs will kick you out. <laughs> if they catch you or find out about it, or at least one of you. I have a really good friend who has an amazing son and his son came from the girl that he met in rehab. And uh, let me tell you, they're not together. Like this isn't some happily ever after fucking story because rehab romance. 
you don't take this is what this is what this is what I was told in rehab. They said two sickos don't make a wello. <laughs> and it, we'll just we'll just like keep that to keep that. Yeah, two sickos don't make a wello. And do you know what, mate? I, I think that there's the, the, more than that. Like you are there to concentrate on yourself. Like just don't do it. Yeah, it's like just really easy. It, it, it's it's just. Take that time. You're never going to have this opportunity again. And I keep saying this, right? But you're not going to have that opportunity again. Focus on you. Like, take that time. Learn. Educate yourself about yourself. Find out who you really are. Find out what you like to do. Mm. Find out the type of people you like to be around. Um, and, you know, you have the ability really to, to reconstruct your life from that point. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to kind of talk a little bit about no, intimacy good. and relationships. That was good. Rehab romances are a big thing. There have been several people that have been kicked out of the treatment center that I was in and the ones that I've been working in due to oh, rehab. Same. Yeah. yeah same. Well, I mean, it's so much easier to, to explore somebody else's hidden places than it is to explore your own. I think. That's okay. I'm going to go with that's that. a very bad turn anyway, of phrase, but yes. Um, so to wrap it up, uh, we have a couple of like kind of simple tips on what to do. If you were thinking about going to rehab or if you are on your way to rehab, um, some of them include things like do what you are asked to do. No. I mean, I think that it's, it's just as simple as that, isn't it? Uh, when my, yeah. my, my counselor said to me, um, I promise you if you, follow what I say and you do the things I do, uh, do the things I say, when you leave, especially when you leave, do these things, you're going to be one of the ones that makes it. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. I've heard that before. I know. It's a, it's a pretty good line. Yeah. Um, and, and really it's just have the willingness and have the willingness to, to listen, have the willingness to learn. Um, and have the willingness to dislodge your head from your other cavities. And it will, <laughs> it, uh, you'll be amazed. You'd be amazed. Like you, you will wholeheartedly be amazed. And I think one of the, 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 the tips that I was given, um, was stick with the winners. Um, and I, I just want to sort of explain that a little bit because, um, there will be people. Um, I'm not saying that people don't have jokes and laughs in in the group in the group and sort of in sessions and stuff like. You're not a robot, right? Um, but it's it's just a case of doing the work. Don't be the guy that's just always fucking around. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like do the work, and you'll find that there are some people that are there and to do the work, and some people there that are just to fuck around. I would stick with the people that are there to do the work because you know that that that's going to be a good quality group for you to be with and separate yourself uh this is one thing that that i had to learn the hard way just because people would always say surround yourself with people in recovery surround yourself with people in recovery don't surround yourself with people in recovery surround yourself with people who are working a recovery program uh because i have met a lot of people in recovery that have not successfully gone through recovery uh and and so i don't i don't i don't surround myself with those people i surround myself with the people who have been successfully working or or just i you don't even have to be successful if if they are trying to work a program and they and they are putting in the effort then that's that's who you want to be surrounded by 
but that's that's really all I got, man. Yeah. What about you? I'm good. I'm, yeah. The river has run dry, my friend. <laughs> all right, guys. So just to uh, throw this back out there, make sure that if you like our videos, to like, comment, and subscribe. And do not forget that we are also on Instagram. Find us on Instagram at Air Recovery Cast. A-I-R Recovery Cast, I think. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. it. It'll be yeah, it'll be somewhere in the comments below. So, thank you for and your support, uh, guys. 